Hello, welcome to Sanity at the Movies. I am Nathan, your humble and obedient host. I'm joined by Ben, the preacher who's a teacher of cinema. Hello. And we have another man, a man who's mastered cinema, no less. A pastor who's mastered, the master of cinema, Jacob Menzel. He's Jacob Menzel. How many pastors have mastered cinema, do you suppose? (laughs) Only one. Only one. I mean, Steven Spielberg, not a pastor. Not a pastor. Master (laughs) of cinema, sure. (laughs) Alfred Hitchcock? Not a member of the clergy. Yep. As far as I'm aware. Man. We could keep going. <laughs> David Fincher <laughs> never preached a sermon. Boy, all Haven't right. Have you seen one of his movies? Was that? Sorry. Mm. Mm. Joke evaluation. <laughs> it was a fail. <laughs> no, um, it was worth going for. It was yeah, a good joke. I just wish that I'd set you up better by giving you a preachier yeah, auteur yeah. if I'd been like... Edward Zwick. Paul Schrader. <laughs> Paul Schrader. There yeah. you go. Well, then you'd be like, ever seen any one of his movies? And then we, me and Ben would both stand and clap. It's a great punchline. It's just... Yeah, you know, I yeah, I felt the silliness of the punchline being applied to David Fincher. Right, he's of, like one of the all, most yeah, kind of like, whatever, I don't care. Humanity <laughs> but I can, sucks. But I, but I couldn't resist the line. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, so this is the yes. b- blockbuster trailer edition. <laughs> wow. Summer blockbuster anticipatory edition of Sanity at the Movies. That is absolutely right. We are talking about the... Yeah, Jake just said it. The Jake just said it. Six movies we're going to be yes. reviewing, seeing in theaters and reviewing this summer. And we have just sat down and we watched all six trailers. Well, not all. Well, we've watched six trailers. Mm-hmm. One trailer for each of these movies. And we're going to talk about the trailers, and we're going to talk about our anticipations for the movies. We got them ranked. Yeah, this is the format that I think we should do. Let's go down our lists. Once we have all three said a movie, then we will discuss it. Okay. So my number six trailer ranking, the worst trailer, is Oppenheimer. Same. My number six is Mission Impossible. Very interesting. My number five trailer is Spider-Man. Yeah, that's stupid. My number five trailer is Indiana Jones. Mine is Oppenheimer. So we've, okay, we've all said Oppenheimer. So it ranked low on our trailer, Enos. So now we can discuss it. (laughs) (laughs) How about that Oppenheimer trailer? (laughs) It was so bad. It's terrible. Oh my goodness. Uh, I, for some reason, I was there for it. I like watching Celine Murphy look. And Cillian Murphy is a great actor, and there's a ton of great actors in this movie. But this trailer is like, this movie is going to be really slow and ponderous. And yeah, I probably, I would say that I feel a little antagonistic towards the Mission Impossible franchise right now. And that's why I didn't, I I ranked it this way. So we'll we'll talk about that trailer in a second. I I know. I'm just saying, I, I don't know that it's a fair ranking. I just. Yes, it is hard to separate your evaluation of the individual franchises and your inv- evaluation of whether you actually think the movie is going to be good. But I think that's why, okay, well, we'll get to this, but that's why my top trailer is what it is. Right. Well, that's why my top trailer actually might be, actually, I'm going to go ahead and reverse it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now right. I think open night is the bad. No, just kidding. Yeah, no, this trailer just is like... It completely... Tom, Bonderous, Christopher Nolan mm -hmm. movie. I was excited about Oppenheimer until I watched this trailer. I think I've seen another trailer that had me more excited about this movie or more anticipatory, but this trailer just sucked. 
I think the movie's going to be better than life. the trailer. I think it has to be. It better mm-hmm. be. I still want to see it just because. You got a stacked cast telling a fascinating story. Yeah. And you've got Christopher Nolan's budget behind the nuclear bomb. That's how he gets you. It doesn't matter. Like, okay, who else is able to get the cash and get the budget and put together the visuals and put together the cast? Like, it may turn out to be a bad movie, but I'm going to see it. I mean, I'm much more excited about it than I was for Tenet. I mean, I don't like... I still I, never I, saw Tenet. Yeah, well, that tells happy, you something. Happy you. Yeah, happy you. Active, uh, Christopher Nolan, to my mind, actively makes sci-fi movies that I don't like. They just don't jive with my sense of what a sci-fi movie would be. And our, our critics will say, that's just personal. Tenet was a masterpiece. And intelligent people will agree with me. But I'm just kidding. I know I'm antagonizing at least 70% of you, which is why I did it. So you're welcome. Christopher Nolan's great. But what I like about this is... What the I know one thing he's not going to do. I'm pretty sure that he's not going to do this because he's never done this and it just wouldn't be him to do this. And it's I'm so happy he's not going to do it. And that is, it's not going to be a biopic where we get like, this is the circumstances of Oppenheimer's birth. This is where he went to school. This is the thing. It's not just going to be a narrative from start to finish. It's going to choose some representative incidents and build some kind of twisty clockwork mechanic mechanism where he's jumping between different stories and things like that and i don't know whether i'll actually like whatever structure nolan decided to impose on this but i do know that i hate the standard biopic structure and i love it anytime someone tries to subvert it subvert it and find something one of my favorite biopics it's not something that people really liked all that much and it's I got some sorganisms that are annoying, but I really liked the Steve Jobs movie, and particularly what I liked about the Steve Jobs movie from a few years ago was that was the Sorkin-esque conceit of taking three product launches and building the entire narrative around those three product launches. And so it's three days out of three important days out of the life of Steve Jobs. And then there's a lot of lame stage crap, like the same people are going to show up and litigate everything about his life every time and it's all kind of artificial mm-hmm. but it's so much more interesting than just like a here's where steve jobs was born here's the day that he got the idea for app like i just that whole actually james mangold the director of indiana jones directed what is in my mind a very bad example of this kind of thing which is walk the line mm-hmm. the johnny never saw it johnny cash i did see it yeah, but it's been a really long time since i saw it it's just so by the numbers and it's like here's the grasslands where he grew up and he used a pickup truck and his dad was mean and then he went and did this and it's just like you never don't know exactly where you're at in the story and what's about to happen and you can just like check your watch and be like okay he's gonna get addicted to drugs you don't even have to know the story of johnny cash you just like Now's the part where he's going to have a fall from grace. And now's the part where the woman's going to believe in him and save him. And it's just so predictable. And so I don't think actually generally that formula, you need that formula. You need a formula of some type. But that sort of formula pretends like it's just giving you somebody's life. But I don't think it is. I don't think anyone's life actually fits into the standard rise and fall kind of narrative. Rise, Um, fall, redemption. Rise, fall, redemption that easily and so just doing anything else is good and so just watching this trailer it's like you've got some black and white footage you've got some bomb footage you've got some twisty artsy stuff and it's none of those things are my favorite things but 
I'm just like, okay, he's going to nullet it up. And this is an example of a place where I really want him to nullet it up. Dunkirk, actually, I don't want him to nullet it up. That's just a good story and just tell it sequentially, maybe. Mm-hmm. But the life of J. Robert Oppenheimer, or whatever the guy's first name was, please, nullet it up. Don't care. Don't care about his dad or anything like that. Although, he will find some, because Nolan always does this. He's just the biggest hack when it comes to, all right, what's the hook that everyone's going to invest in? Did he have daddy issues? Did he really love his wife? He'll find something like that and use it as the hook. And it's not that you shouldn't find hooks, but he's going to find a really obvious lame one. Anyway, not ex- none of us like that trailer. Jake, what is your number four? <clears throat> Flash. All right, my number four is Mission Impossible. My number four is Indiana Jones. Okay, so we still haven't <clears throat> all said anything. This is hard to keep track of. All right, my no, or no, Jake, your number three? Mission Impossible. Spider-Man. Spider-Man, and mine is Indiana Jones. So we have all said... Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible and Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Mission <clears throat> Impossible, I ranked four, you ranked... Three. And ben, I ranked six. And you ranked six. <laughs> Take that. The reason my... It, I think this movie will be grand entertainment... But the trailer didn't do a lot for me. It actually doesn't feature a lot of like, minus the motorcycle thing, which if you're online, you've already basically seen that stunt because they did like a whole little documentary about it. It didn't really feature anything like, I feel like the last couple of trailers, maybe I'm wrong about this, but they've been like, watch this movie. You'll get to see Tom Cruise hold his breath or you'll get to see him jump off of a thing. And this one has the motorcycle stunt, but it didn't have anything else like that where I'm, it was just kind of like, it's mission impossible. It's. Ethan Hunt running around doing stuff. Running, chasing, hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, and kind of an apocalyptic bad guy monologuing, you know, just like we've been doing for a few years now. Vaguely topical, as Jake muttered while we were watching the trailer. You know, it's... Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what I like about the trailer, actually. Because all these other... All these other movie... All these other trailers are giving a lot. They're showing you... So, so... There's all kinds of different styles for how you cut a trailer, right? Mm-hmm. And there's there are trailers that that give you all the funny jokes, and there are mm-hmm. trailers that give you all the cool action, and there are trailers that give you the whole story arc and the emotion of the story, and they give it to you in the two-minute version. And now that you've seen the trailer, the movie cannot possibly live up to the trailer. Mm-hmm. Because you now have all of the cool pieces, and you get to fill in your own version of the story in your mind. and your mind and heart run a thousand different directions with it and you're inevitably disappointed by it. It gets you to the theater, it mm-hmm. gets your butt in the seat and then you're inevitably disappointed with it. Right. And it used to be that trailers just sort of like teased the movie and then you had to go f- see it to find out what was going to happen and what it was about. And what I thought was cool about the Mission Impossible trailer was how lame it was. Mm-hmm the confidence that this movie is going to sell itself, that people are going to go see it. It's not even the real mission impossible trailer was actually top gun Maverick. Exactly. Right. It's not an Ethan hunt movie. It's not a mission impossible movie. It's a Tom Cruise movie. And Tom Cruise is going to give you a fun time at the movies. It's going to be cool action on cool action on cool action. It's going to carry you from start to finish. It's going to be light. It's going to be fluffy. It's going to be an enjoyable experience and if that's the kind of movie you want, you don't need to know what it's going to be about. And it can be as empty and hollow as any other Tom Cruise action movie. Who cares? You're there to go have a fun time at the movies. And so we're just letting you know it's coming and here's the dates. And 
here's some of the cool kind of thing that you'll see in this movie, but don't worry when you see it in theaters, it's going to be that much more awesome. And it just has that kind of confidence. I like everything. you're. So it's, it's not going to, it's not selling it to anybody who's not already going to see it. But if you're down on mission impossible and you're not going to see it, there's no trailer that's going to sell it to you anyway. Right. So why spoil anything and why bother? Why not just have the confidence of, yeah, we know you're going to see this movie. So come see it. Yeah. And so maybe my criticism is more with the franchise, which we could say for the second part of this podcast. But I, I could only say I agree with everything you're saying in theory. This was one of the trailers that before watching it, I was more excited for the movie. After watching it, I was a little less excited for the movie. Just in my heart, that's what's happened. So if part of criticism is just being descriptive, like this sure. is what happened to me, then this trailer really didn't do it for me. Yeah, this movie did not make me any more or less excited about the, the open hybrid trailer made me feel like, oh, no, this one, I just don't like for my money. I know what I'm going to get at this point from a Tom Cruise joint. And there's no trailer that's going to change how that's going to change that. I guess maybe this trailer disappointed me because it was a confirmation that I was going to get certain things I don't really like in that franchise, <laughs> mm-hmm. which we can talk about when we get to it. I would say, Jake, that some trailers actually do convince me to see something. I feel like it could, they could have cut a trailer that made me more excited about that, it. That's possible. I mean, I, I, what was the one before this one called? Fallout. Road, Fallout. Fallout. The Fallout trailer was really cool. It yeah, was that's really, what I'm kind of comparing it to really in cool. my mind. I'm like, that trailer, maybe it gave away a little bit more, but it sort of... Well, but that trailer needed to resell you at that point on Tom Cruise and the action stuff. But at this point, I think Fallout and, Fallout's really, just and like, really Top Gun Maverick, they gosh. are the trailers for this movie. Yeah. And That's fine. I get it. I needed to be sold... Uh, well, there's another movie. We'll talk about the trailer, but there's one that needed to sell me. Yes. It pretty much did. Yes, I would. Do. Even against my will, almost. I, yeah, I, I, that's, so that's going to be our each of our number one for the exact same reason that it did exactly that. Right. Yeah. So I, I guess we all said Indiana Jones as well. I put it number three, actually. Number four for me. Number four. And what was yours? Five. Five. So I'll say the reason for me putting it so high is exactly what we've just been talking about. I don't think this movie, I share all the dread that everyone has about this movie. And yet the trailer, this trailer in particular, the newest one, the one that begins with the Stone song, Sympathy for the Devil, not the te- the teaser was pretty lame. But this trailer gets me kind of excited in spite of myself. And so I'm giving it, I'm ranking it this high because I'm like, well, if a trailer, just as a trailer... If it can make me excited for something that I know I have no business being excited for. If Disney can, like a battered housewife, can say, hey, baby, I still love you. I still want to take care of you. And then I, I like go back inside the house. What a horrible metaphor. But the, actually, it's not that bad of a metaphor for what Disney's done to us. But I was like, yeah, it's kind of an effective trailer. I don't know. It, this trailer made me preemptively disappointed in the movie. And so if we're judging by its ability to get a feeling out of you, then I should have ranked it higher. But it did not sell me on the movie because I feel like, and maybe this is just a function of my baggage, but this is what you have to deal with in a trailer is all the baggage of all the fans. And so that's what you have to deal with in the movie and that's what you have to deal with in selling the movie is everybody's got their baggage that they bring to a beloved franchise that's 30 or 40 years old now or however old it is. And so it just made me 
It just made me preemptively disappointed. I, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm already sad about this movie and this franchise. But I almost think that's how hard it worked. For me, at least, it was like, oh, no, I feel vulnerable to this again. Like, like after everything they've done to me with the Star Wars movies, after being betrayed time and time again. After Crystal Skull. After Crystal Skull. After, like, like there's just, after Kathleen Kennedy driving everything into the ground, which she's done with the Mandalorian. There's like nothing good comes out of this studio. They could still cut together a trailer that isn't just leaning on nostalgia, but actually makes me think like, oh, Maybe this is going to have a couple of really awesome sequences. Maybe James Mangold actually had just enough freedom that even though they have to pay lip service to a bunch of stuff, like maybe he'll just be allowed to do it. Yeah. Maybe Harrison Ford wouldn't come back unless they had a, story yeah i feel i definitely feel ambivalent about it i feel like he came there's back some, for crystal skull some cool images he came cool back sequences. for force awakens and for rise of skywalker uh, what can i defend against that i'm sure i'll try you can't oh, let me try force awakens, him a paycheck force awakens was a fine beginning to a trilogy there's no reason not to come back for force awakens we cannot blame, hold him responsible for that we were all excited at the end of force awakens for where the star wars was going had it had its problems, but I wasn't excited at the end of it. Okay, but the world was excited, yeah. and, and Jake was excited. I was uh, enough possibilities on the board to be excited about. And none of us would have said that Harrison Ford was a sellout. He obviously wanted Han Solo to die and wanted to be done with it. So we, I'll give him Force Awakens. I'll give him Crystal Skull because he wants to work with Stephen and George again. And George, bless his heart, has a crazy story. And Crystal Skull is just everybody wanting to bend towards each other and no one actually having a real vision besides George Lucas. The only person who really actually just wanted to make Crystal Skull is George Lucas and George Lucas, nobody wanted to actually take his ideas seriously enough to execute them well. They just wanted to be like, okay, George, we'll do something like what you're saying. So. I'll give him Crystal Skull. I'll give him Force Awakens. And then, yeah, he took a paycheck to do three minutes and Rise of Skywalker. I'm not sure I feel all that bad towards that. I think Harrison Ford cares a lot more about Indiana Jones as a property and as a character. He better. That's his legacy. That's his legacy. Yeah, he is Indiana More than Jones. Han Solo. Yeah, I think Harrison Ford has always been upfront about the fact that he never liked Han Solo. Han Solo is a character that has nothing to offer an actor. He's a very thin... <laughs> characterization and the dialogue is impossible to say and like Harrison Ford's always been in his grumpy grumpily charming way up front about not liking Han Solo Harrison Ford loves Indiana Jones so so anyway there's I don't know if that's actually a convincing argument but that's my best argument for why I think Spielberg is just like whatever I don't really care about this stuff anymore the fans want it I'll sign off on it let's give it to somebody else and let them take the blame if it's good and but I think Harrison Ford still cares a little. Well, they bit. take the they take the blame if it's bad. They, that's, that's, sorry, that's what I meant. Take the blame if it's bad, and 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 he gets the credit for having the vision, selecting the right guy, having the integrity to pass it off. All of it, he gets as much credit as anybody if it wins. Yeah, exactly. I think he did the smartest thing from his vantage point as someone who just hasn't cared about this stuff for thirty years now. Anyway, that's getting into litigating the movie more, but. These are my reasons for putting the trailer number three. What was your number two trailer? Uh, Spider-Verse. Flash. 
Guardians. Have we all said Spider-Verse now? No. Have we all said any of those? We've all said... Haven't you said Spider-Verse? I've said Flash, and I've said Spider-Verse. Me too. I have not said Flash. Whatever. My first... My number one was Flash. Your number one was... Guardians. Guardians. And your number one was... Guardians. The thing that I switched at the last minute was putting Flash first, but Flash and Guardians are both kind of the same, and that I was not at all excited about either one. Was maybe actively antagonistic towards both... Until you saw the trailer. Until I saw the trailers. Yeah, then, that's yeah. true for me for both of them. Well, but it's, I put the Flash trailer at four because we watched the new one and, or maybe it's the same one. I don't know. No, this is a, this was a new one, but the Super Bowl one was exciting. I think that was this one. No, this one had more to it than that. This one, the Super Bowl one had a lot of the same beats. It had like Kara being introduced and them in the plane taking pictures mm-hmm. of her and all that. Yeah, this one was just longer, longer, yeah. longer and more Ezra Miller focused. Very Ezra Millery, and I was an antagonistic to Flash just because I always hope for a decent superhero movie, and I think the speedster thing is really fun visually. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I was like confident they would pull anything off. I was just like, I like maybe maybe it'll be cool. The Zack Snyder Flash as far as he went, yeah, and I really liked his sequence in the Zack Snyder cut of. Justice League. That was that was awesome. You mean, you mean like the climactic? The climactic stuff was run. good, but I was actually talking about just his introduction. He saved some oh, yeah. woman from a car crash or something no, like that. That was fun. It's stylistically not that much different from the wonderful X Men Days of Future Past Quicksilver Quicksilver scene. scene. But there's just yep. only so many ways to do a super speedy guy. But Guardians, I think we all agree, is a great trailer because James Gunn is an evil maniac that we have every reason to be antagonistic towards morally mm-hmm. man aesthetically in every sense not actually aesthetically i mean he's a good craftsman whatever else you want to say but we're so out on marvel we're so out on james gunn see, we're that's so out the, on everything and that's the thing about the about the guardians trailer the, the flash i'm just sort of like open to dc at this point i'm just open to the dc universe doing anything interesting i don't have a lot of hope for it but i don't Mm -hmm. have anything at stake in it i did have something at stake in the mcu Mm -hmm. and now i'm antagonistic toward it and i have no desire to watch another mcu movie again it's going to take something to make me Mm -hmm. go see another mcu movie and and i'm going to go see the guardians movie Mm -hmm. so that's why like the flash trailer is like okay it's got michael Michael keaton Keaton. Keaton. it's got (laughs) michael keaton mr mom himself Okay, but then it's got very it's got Ezra Miller and it's got butch lesbian cut Supergirl, Supergirl, and Ezra Miller's gross. And the, this trailer was extra Ezra Millery, and it's like okay, and we know that James Gunn's behind it. And it's just like but to be fair, I think the movie was locked before James it Gunn was. took over. So hopefully he had zero influence. Okay, uh, but I'm still but yes but, nervous about any levels of weird gross sexuality like the that trailer was sort of playing together with this sort of like Ezra Miller and Ezra Miller as a as, couple yeah. as a couple a narcissistic gay couple with himself which is who Ezra Miller is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so it was playing with all of those sort of like gross themes and yeah. it's just like a turn off to me I was just like yeah well it was more exciting when it was much shorter and was just teasing like look, Michael Keaton's going to be in it and he's going to say, I'm Batman. Yep. And, you know, <laughs> I will tell you the thing that made me most scared about that trailer was just the image of them apparently breaking Supergirl out of a like Russian or Arctic compound. 
And I was just like, oh, we've seen this kind of thing so many times. It was just in that stupid Black Widow movie. Like, oh, we're in a world without supers. Oh, well, there's one being held here. Let's destroying the compound, flying away. It's sad. I don't know. It's just uh, felt like such a repetitive, like, come on, guys, we can do something else here kind of thing. But well, in two. How many, why does, why do we have to now, I mean, I know this is Flash's sort of thing, but MCU was first to the multiverse, or, or actually Spider-Verse was first to the multiverse, and then the MCU joined the multiverse thing, and now we've had independent multiverse-style movies like Everything Everywhere All at Once, and mm-hmm. now DC is characteristically late to the party, and they're going to do it better, and well, they may do it more fun. But I don't know. It's just like there's so much about that movie that it, I'm sure I'll have fun. I don't mind. I think Marvel <laughs> has so completely trashed any inherent interest, any comedy. Like it's just it's astounding to me how little they've gotten out of the multiverse besides plot mechanics and ways to bring back some characters and things like that. But they have not done. They have not had fun <laughs> with it. Like Mar- Marvel Phase 1 or even phase two, or even phase three, like any of the Marvel movies that we love, you just imagine them having the multiverse, and you imagine they do exactly what everywhere, everywhere, all at once, whatever had, which is like, let's go to the planet where everyone has, the world where everyone has hot dogs for fingers. Let's like, let's go to the world where everyone's rocks. Let's go to the world that's covered in paint. Like, let's, we can do anything, so let's have some goofy fun with this. And Marvel has just, not done that it's weird to me how bankrupt their concept of the multiverse was all that to say i think if they just do a passably fun multiverse story they will have done more than anything i've seen of the latest marvel stuff certainly than dr strange did i agree in dc if i remember right because i did some research for our episode on the flash and they introduced i think that they popularized multiverse storytelling in comics they started using it to tell stories and then, of course, to explain continuity errors mm-hmm. <laughs> in their superhero stories. So they, it's been in their comics forever. It's like it was only a matter of time before they were going to pull it out. But also, come on, they pulled it out now because it's a thing. It's a thing, but... Well, they... in the dumb thing, I, the fun thing about doing it in DC's position is you don't have to crack the problem of introducing the world at large blockbusters cinema going stupid idiots to the concept of multiverse right you don't have to have a scene of exposition where you get tilda swinton to explain it to mark ruffalo and then you have five other ways of explaining it across three other properties to be sure everybody can wrap their heads around it it's all been done for you and so you can just play in the sandbox that other people have boringly created yes that's true you just have to do it well We'll you can say that dc created it you know in the comic books or whatever but in terms of breaking it open cinematically yes well it'll be fun to talk about that one i hope i i don't know yeah all right let's do our predictions for what we didn't talk about the spider-verse oh right spider-verse trailer so i put that number five number three for me and you put it number two number two I don't know. I actually do. a. I, I know I've been a bit of a crank about this one. I know it's going to be a good movie. I know it's going to be fine. I'm trying to not 
let myself hope for a masterpiece because I think it's just better to set your expectations on a three out of four. And I have a, just a feeling like maybe this could be a three out of four, but that's the worst thing that's going to happen in terms of the movie. Having said that, for whatever reason, these trailers just aren't doing it for me, man. I mean, it's the, it's like the music, it's just like they picked the music you knew they'd pick and they, I don't know, for some, for whatever reason, I, like we could go through all these trailers and we could say how mechanical they are, how they're just doing the trailer thing. Like just watching them now, Jake, every trailer would come on and Jake would go bomb because that's just the way they do trailers now. For whatever reason, Spider-Verse is the one that feels that way to me. Like I just, I'm seeing Matrix green lines. I'm not seeing the world. I'm, I'm like, yeah, this is how you put together a Spider-Verse trailer. I don't know why. That's a completely subjective thing. I'm sure the movie will be wonderful. The trailers just have not done it for me at all. I guess it's my internal destiny to always be at an odd angle to the Spider-Verse franchise, but maybe my self-appointed destiny. I just decided I'm the Spider-Verse policeman, which is a very popular position, but I don't know. I cannot tell a lie. These trailers, they don't do it for me. Did you guys think they're great? So why don't you talk about how wonderful they are or something? I think it did a good job of telling you. So the teaser was bad. Yeah. When the teaser came out. Mm -hmm. Teaser was lame and bad. What this trailer does is it says, hey, we're still fun and funny and clever. And there's going to be unexpected things here. But at its heart, this is a Miles Morales story. And it's a story about Miles and his dad, like it always is. And it's got heart to it. And it's a story about every Spider-Man story. The conflict in the heart of any Spider-Man movie. That's why the international trailer starts out with Toby and Garfield and Tom Holland. Every Spider-Man movie, the central heart conflict of it is that choice of, can I do both? Can I save... Gwen, can I save Uncle Ben? Can I save the person I love? And also save the world. Also save people on the bus. Also save, do I have to make a choice? And do I have to make the sacrificial choice? Do I have to sacrifice myself, my life, the person I love in order to be the hero that the world needs? And they said, this is a movie about that. This is a movie about every Spider-Man movie and the conflict at the heart of every Spider-Man and every Spider-Verse, every, everything that you've ever loved about any of these movies, this is a movie about that. But it's through this fresh new character. And so Miles Morales and the team's back together. And, but Miles is still trying to figure out who he is. And is he going to have to learn the same lesson as everybody? Or is he going to be able to write his own story? Is he going to be able to do it differently? And all of that I think did a really good job for me of pulling on my heartstrings of like everything I love about Spider-Man, like just as a concept and as a character, everything I love about every Spider-Man franchise, just what I love about it, not forget what I don't like about it, but what I love about it and everything I love about the original Spider-Verse movie was like sort of masterfully there and said, so it's a huge promise. Mm -hmm. It's a huge promise. And a bold promise, I felt like in the trailer, and I just felt, okay, I'm here for the promise, and I wanna, I wanna believe, I wanna trust that you guys can actually deliver on it. And I know that the characteristic thing for me to do is to l let myself get built up and then be 
frustrated or disappointed that they can't fully deliver on the on, on the promise that they made. But it felt like a really big, bold promise that hit my feels some, the way that the Guardians trailer hit my feels some, despite myself. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like, cool, cool. Like, you found a cool, another cool angle on Spider-Man, and you guys don't miss, and you guys are telling us you're taking this to next level, and so I'm just gonna believe you, and I'm here for it, and I'm ex- I'm gonna I'm just gonna be excited. So there it is. This is my take. That's why it's my uh. number two, and it doesn't overtake Guardians because Guardians overcame every possible hurdle and made me want to go see that movie. Yep. Yep. Same. I mean, Guardians, my heart's already inclined. I was gonna see Spider Verse no matter what. I was excited about the teaser, even though I I thought it was stupid. Like it just didn't matter. I'm like. I love that movie. I love those guys. So. I, I think, I won't say I feel totally ambivalent about the Spider-Verse trailer because I like Spider-Verse and I want to see it and the trailer makes me want to see it. But I do draw an easy line from the first movie's, our long and controversial discussion about the first movie and the moral of self-determination. Just draw a simple line and I'm like, ah, is this going to like lean even harder into just... Create your own destiny. That's the moral. Uh, just a little like, I just, I don't know. Yeah, it's true that that's, that trailer scares me a little bit, that it might actually be the Captain America thing. The sort of, the moral is you don't have to assume great responsibility because you have great, I mean, it might it could actually be a pagan anti-Spider-Man story, and it's not really unlikely. Those guys are good, but they're actually not too good for that. Yeah, I think you're right about that. But look, I know everybody thinks this is not the case. I want this movie to be the Citizen Kane of Spider-Man movies. I am going to walk in with a for, really for good it attitude. To, for it to be that, does he have to lose? I don't think he has to lose. I don't know what the solution is, but I just think it has to care about something more than individualistic self-determination. I think I am what is, I choose, what I am. Spider-Man is essentially a set in a benevolent universe, which is one of the things I think we all like about it. Certainly one yeah. of the things I mm-hmm. like about it. Mm-hmm. And so I don't mind if the gods of the universe smile on Miles such a way that his dad doesn't actually have to die and he doesn't actually have to lose everything and doesn't actually have to be broken. By I the- mean, that's what the, that's what they did to Tom Holland was like, We've smiled on Tom Holland too much. Now it's time to take everything away from him. Yeah, and where you you had like popcorn muncher mouth breathers who liked that movie just because it was fun. But they were wrong about that part. He said that it (laughs) It wasn't fun. It wasn't fun. Well, well, yeah, that was a problem. So you had had like the (laughs) lowest of the low that liked that movie just for fun. And then you had the highest of the high, like the uber nerds who love Spider-Man actually loved that Tom Holland was punished at the end of that. Like, they, they, oh, now we're back to real Spider-Man stories. This bedraggled, put-upon young man who just can't get a break. That's yeah. Spider-Man. That's Spider-Man 2. That's Spider-Man. Yeah. But Spider-Man always gets a break. I mean, yeah, he is kind of the Charlie Brown in some ways, or Peter Parker, at least, is the Charlie Brown of superheroes. But he's going to end up with MJ. He's going to defeat the villain. Like, he's going to get over his demons in any given story. He's going to reach a place of peace about Uncle Ben. Like Spider-Man does not exist in the Batman or universe where you just have to be perpetually tortured internally in order to yeah, motivate yourself to even go out and be a superhero. So anyway, I don't think, I think the answer to your question well, is no, this, he, doesn't, this movie, he doesn't have to lose everything. 
what happens, this trailer tells us that Peter B. Parker found the redemption that he was, we get at the beginning, fat, eating pizza alone in a room, scared, blew it all with MJ and can't recover it. And now he's got a baby. And now he's, mm-hmm. now he's got a baby. We see him, he's restored to his universe. And we, our last image of him is on MJ's doorstep with flowers. And now he's got a baby. And I don't mind the other thing that this trailer kind of implicitly says, which is, I'm Miles Morales. I'm not Peter Parker. Yeah. I'm not going to handle I don't, I don't, I don't have to be bedraggled like Peter Parker. I actually have an intact family, a place of strength. I'm black, not white. Like all this stuff. Like I'm just, I can actually hit this in a strong way. Yeah, I can do this differently. I can mm-hmm. do this differently. I think there's a really yeah. good way to tell that story without it just being a selfish, like, I should be allowed to do what I want. Captain America should go back in time and leave his friends behind kind of yeah. story. And if anybody's going to play that level of 3D chess, it will be Lord and Miller. They are very, 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 very good. It is a lot to ask. It's This is looks like the most ambitious but of the, the But the, the beautiful thing is he's a black Hispanic. And they can do that. They're with allowed him. to just. They're allowed to do that with be, him. Be men in their movie. Yeah. Yeah. He's allowed to have a good mom and a good dad, and he's yep. allowed to be whole, and he's allowed to look at every other Spider-Man and say, "Guys, I'm sorry, but I'm not you. I have something that you don't have, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to give it up. I have a dad and I have a mom, and I'm going to fight for them. And they've given me something that you never had, and so I can win this." Because of that, because of them. And sounds great. Yeah, I know. And I'm building myself up for it. And I'm going to build everybody else up for it. And I don't really care. What you're actually making me feel like, what this discussion is making me feel like is I've held my ground on, well, maybe at worst it'll be a three out of four. But maybe what we're actually in the territory of is we either get Citizen Kane or a movie that we actively walk out feeling betrayed and annoyed by. That's what I think. I think it's going to. For me, it may be that I don't know why this, I don't know if it even feels personal or not or what, but it feels like it has to be one or the other for me. It's got to be, it's got to hit on every level or I'm just going to hate it. But it's the same sort of thing. I still think, did they leave it on the table for you to make your own meaning in the first one? Or were they putting it together that it was his dad? Mm-hmm saying, I believe in you, his actual dad. His found family couldn't do it, and his mentor couldn't do it, but his dad, Shoyam, say, Miles, I see this spark in you, and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. That was the moment. Mm-hmm. Like, it's about him and his dad. That's the turning point. So if this movie can build on that and nail that down yeah, and solidify that, then this is just the greatest superhero franchise of all time, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And if it does that, that's great. I mean, it's got to do that, all that, and service, <laughs> like a bunch of multiverse stuff and all these extra characters and villains. And, and they're not making that's it easy on themselves. That's another thing that you're afraid of. I, too, I am afraid right? of because it, every superhero movie fails with its sequel. The Nolan movies are guilty of this. The certainly They throw too much into it. They just throw too much at the Batman <laughs> franchise, the original Batman franchise, the Keaton, <laughs> Kilmer, Clooney franchise certainly became guilty of this as it went on. The Spider-Man franchise, the Maguires, the the Hollands too. The Spider-Man I mean, Two was Spider-Man Two is perfect, but the, and then Spider-Man Three, they're like, well, oh, we got to yeah. do we got to do Venom, and we got to have Sandman, and we got to do this, and we got to do that, and we're getting away from the story. It's just such a 
a classic bummer move sequel move to overstuff things to bite off more than you can chew it's a problem of ambition sometimes it's a problem of the studio wants venom and sam raimi couldn't care less about venom but oftentimes it's a good instinct like they want more two villains that's better than one villain right well sometimes batman returns it's better all right let's predict these movies in terms of how good we think they will be this is such a impossible thing to do i feel like we already almost did it yeah we've been having a lot of this discussion we as we went we let ourselves have more of the discussion during the trailer talk but my number six oppenheimer oppenheimer i'm committed here mission impossible (laughs) (laughs) i don't even know that i really believe that but i believe it right now well (laughs) everything you want it to be this is what i yeah that's right (laughs) everything's relative everything's on a scale with itself like you can't really compare oppenheimer to anything right yeah but all right my number five mission impossible flash oppenheimer okay so we've all said we all put oppenheimer really low we're not very (laughs) excited about oppenheimer i guess not sylvia murphy's gonna be great i maintain everything i said about nolan's annoying sense of story structure will serve this movie better than james mangold's sense of story structure But also, Nolan's, much like Dunkirk and some of these other things, Nolan's sense of story structure might be like, well, I'm too good to actually give you a story. The thing that might carry this movie and carry it higher is the truth behind it. Yes. The The reality behind it. If it successfully forces you to think about the horror of what we have done, Mm. that might carry this movie farther than any of Nolan's creative choices. Yeah. Right. And you're gonna have you're gonna have stellar acting performances. Cillian Murphy's not gonna miss. Robert Downey Jr. is not gonna miss. Nobody in this cast is gonna miss. Yeah, true. The visuals will be beautiful if overwrought at places. The sound mix will be mixed in the most obnoxious way possible, so you can't hear what anyone's saying. But the but if the horror of the bomb is communicated, it might just from the reality the historicity of the story it might elevate this well the thing that the trailer promises and that this movie has to deliver on it's not just the horror but the horror and the wonder you have to understand why these guys would want to do this you can't just be one of those we all look back and sneer at people from 60 years ago for doing something that seems silly to us now it has to have the excitement of scientific discovery and it just has to capture the whole Jurassic Park conundrum. The we can now, should we sort of thing. I hope it does that. I'm not very, ex- I'm least excited about it. And I think it will be maybe com- when compared to what it's itself and its ambitions, mm-hmm. it will be the least successful. A slog. A slog. It'll just not be an entertaining movie, maybe. Yeah. But I hope which is what the trailer was like. This is going to be a ponderous slog that makes you feel important and feels like you've watched. It's going to make you pay to to watch it so that you feel like you are smart for having seen it or something. Stupid. Yes. Yeah, prob- probably. Yeah, this really makes right. you feel like homework, and that's no good. <laughs> Nobody wants to go to the movies to do homework, even if you're going to learn something. Uh, okay, so I put Mission Impossible number five. Jake put Flash number five. I guess we'll just keep going. Ben, what was you? Oh, so you... Uh, Oppenheimer was my number okay, five. So yeah, yeah. And number four, I've got Indiana Jones. I've got Indiana Jones. Likewise. Okay, so So I'm interested, given our previous discussion that you guys didn't put it lower, you think there are two movies, we all think there's two movies that are going to be... Three movies. 
that are going to be higher. Yeah, but, uh, but also two movies that will be worse. lower. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. so uh, well, I think... At least two movies that I'll resent more or something. So I put Flash at five, and I, I put Flash at five because I think <coughs> whatever nostalgia I have for Michael Keaton is not going to be enough to make me ever care or come back to this movie besides seeing it in the theaters unless it just knocks it out of the park. And it has so much potential to go bad in so many ways and to have so much grossness. I might enjoy it. I might enjoy parts of it. So you're essentially I don't, just out on Flash. Like, yeah, I don't know that I'm going to be able to show it to my kids. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't, like, I don't yeah. trust it. And I don't feel like it's going to be able to deliver. Indiana Jones, I'm going to show it to my kids no matter what. Unless it had, I, like, I can't imagine what they could do to make me not show it to my kids. I, they will have enough um, emotional beats in it where they try to close out the character for me that I just, it doesn't matter how disappointed I am. I'm going to find things to appreciate about it or appreciate the idea of it. Well, plus, Indiana Jones in his first two movies has no heart. And, you can make a good Indiana Jones movie with no emotional beats, actually. I mean, if, in other words, yeah, we all remember Last Crusade fondly and think that Indiana Jones has to be a three dimensional character, but his greatest movie is Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is just a yeah. mechanical roller coaster, one of the most brilliant mechanical roller coasters ever built. But And if they just give us a couple of fun, just some action scenes, fellas. action scenes. I mean, that's what Kingdom of the Especially with the young, young Indiana oh, Jones, with all the best modern de-aging and cgi stuff and a whole library of footage they can draw on apparently what they've done is they've just scanned old takes from indiana jones into their computer so we're just like literally using harrison ford's face from 40 years ago so it's like mm-hmm. if i can just even get one scene that, that is feels this like... might be too much but if i can just get one hit in the entire movie of real indiana jones I will feel like I have spent my ticket money well, even if the rest is just Phoebe Waller-Bridge lecturing me about capitalism. If I can just have one more hit of real Indiana Jones before Harrison Ford dies, that'd be wonderful. And there's enough promise there with the technology and with Mangold's action chops. Mm -hmm. And Steven Spielberg's, okay, you can say he doesn't care about the movie but or about the franchise, but... What you can't say is he didn't feel what happened with Crystal Skull and isn't going to try to make sure. Yes, they all want to leave on a more positive note. The real reason Harrison Ford comes back for another Indiana Jones movie is because he wants to undo what happened with Crystal Skull. Maybe he'll just use the Dial of Destiny to erase Crystal Skull and then he'll... That would be hilarious and I would love it. Everybody would love it. Everybody would cheer if Harrison Ford Riley says, let's just erase that from my life. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> That's one episode I could do without. Hey, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, <laughs> you want to insert yourself into my ant fighting adventure? And Oh, man. That's uh, the one that you can have. Plus, just looking at the trailer, it looks like Mangold has largely solved the problem that Crystal Skull had of making an older Harrison Ford a credible action hero. I mean, it looks like we're doing horses. We're doing vehicles we're doing the thing that always falls down in crystal skull action wise it's two things number one harrison ford is just simply very slow and that makes a lot of the scenes lame and then b number one and number b number two spielberg is so obviously 
relying on CGI in that movie and just he's a family man. He's an old man. Spielberg didn't want to travel. I don't think like, like he just trusted his friend George when he's like, yeah, we've got the CGI to just do this stuff now. So, so much of it feels kind of green screen and fake and the technology's come a long way and they've had a long, many years now to think about how to make old characters. So it looks like maybe the parade scene will be a good action scene. Yeah. There's a bunch of stuff that looks more fun than anything in Crystal Skull. Yeah. I mean, I just, I can't imagine it'll be worse than Crystal Skull unless it is just a giant. Can you think of anything in Crystal Skull that is like fun? Fun. I think the warehouse scene where he's just the opening scene where he's swinging around in the warehouse is actually pretty fun. The warehouse scene's all right. And there's a scene where some bad guys come after him at the college. Yeah, that was fun. It's fun. Okay. Yeah. 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 The motorcycle thing. Well, that's, he's just passively riding on the motorcycle while. Yeah, Charlie Booth's jumping around and stuff. Yeah, and I guess we're done with him. They say that they're going to close the loop on his character, but we're not actually going to have him in the movie. I have to imagine he's off doing something and Marion is dead. They say they will also close the loop on her. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. The thing that Crystal Skull really fell down on is the CGI ants. Of course, everybody likes to make fun of those. And then the big action set piece, the jungle chase. The, I hated that chase. The equivalent of the tank chase or the truck chase or the mine car chase is just it feels like camera tricks with no good action. And yeah. then you have Kate Blanchett being such an unpleasant villainess and beating up Indiana Jones's son. It's just like, it's not fun. And there's a bunch of sort of yeah. prequely kind of the characters are supercharged. Shia LaBeouf is straddling two cars and sword fighting. And it's just like, we don't go to Indiana Jones movies to see superhumans. We, we go to right. them to see humans get, survive by the... Get beat up. Yeah. And keep coming back and still survive miraculously and fight through it with grit. It's that anti-hero mm-hmm. sort of it's the modern take on John Wayne. It's yep. not it's not Jake, you know. did you say ant I hero? <laughs> I've got one for you. <laughs> Is that right? Crystal school. No. I sure do. Yeah. When I think of any you Jones. put your ants in a fridge and drop them on the set of Oppenheimer. Oh yes, that would be the other scene that everybody likes to talk about from Crystal Skull. I, I, you I know, like that scene. I, I, I it's think it's ridiculous. I think it's hypocritical to be down on that opening scene and give a pass to writing a inflatable balloon boat out of a crashing airplane. Well, I'm not a hypocrite. I've, I've always hated that. I think that's the worst movie, the worst scene in the. Minus some of the sex stuff, I think that's the dumbest part of any of the original trilogy. I, I agree. I think that you, ha- you, I just want people, I think that people just sort of give that scene a pass though, because they had it in their childhood. And I'm trying to remember. I can't. So in, in Temple of Doom, which I've never seen. Really? There you go. Still. What? Never wanted to. I've tried to make myself. So the opening scene of Temple of Doom, I really like. Yeah, no, it's great. But they get on an airplane. Uh huh. In the and they're all sleeping because they're recovering from this big fight, and the pilots are like, "Ha ha!" And they jump out of the plane to leave Indiana Jones and the damsel in short round to crash. And Jones is sort of piloting, trying to figure out how to pilot the plane, but he doesn't know how to land it, and they're running out of fuel. And so they have to figure out a way to ditch. So they get an inflatable boat, hmm. and as the plane is crashing into a mountain, they jump out of the plane on top of an inflatable boat that just sort of like floats down and then lands in a river and then goes over a waterfall. Wow. And they survive all of it. And 
There's a way to do that. Like the way you described it, I'm like, that sounds cool, actually. It's just that they fall a mile. I mean, it's so high and it's just, it just breaks the reality. Like, like you could We're jump talking out. about crashing into a snow capped mountain. Right. Right. <laughs> and they go, da, 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 da. Oh, no. I mean, if it was just like the plane is a few feet from the ground and we're going to dive out into a river, that's really cool. Like, you can imagine that being cool. Huh. But actually, they land on a slope. Yeah. And they go off a cliff and they land wow. in the river and then they go over the waterfall. I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. And it's just too much. It's, it's, it's just too much. It's stupid. The argument for Crystal Skull is like the Raiders of the Lost Ark had a monkey doing the Nazi salute. We all think that's funny, but that's because we were dumb little kids. Like, is, it, is that essentially different than the gophers or in Crystal Skull? You know? Well, it's like what we talk about whenever we talk about the problems with the prequels. Mm-hmm. There's what you saw as a kid and what you remember as a kid. And then there's those, whether or not you're still making a kid's movie or whether or not you're making a movie for the kids who saw that movie and you're trying to evoke those same sorts of feelings. But the fact is, you can go back to Raiders and just enjoy it Mm. on every level. It's just a good movie. Hmm. It doesn't actually depend on No, it is. Yeah, I'm watching this scene right now. It's pretty bad. (laughs) It's pretty bad. It's pretty terrible. But Temple of Doom has wonderful set pieces. I mean, the minecar chase is great. The it's got some really deeply from the id things that, and we've talked about that in our yeah, in, I guess in we our did. review yeah. of it. But definitely, zombie dad and the minecar chase and all that stuff is like I don't know if Indiana Jones put it deep in my psyche, but it's there. It is something. I mean, there is a sense in which, I know this is not an Indiana Jones podcast, but it kind of is. There's a sense in which I feel like the first two Indiana Jones movies are actually their own thing. And then Last Crusade is just a cutesy, fun kids movie. But those first two movies go hard. I mean, they are- They go hard. They are violent. They are mean. They are dark. And Temple of Mm -hmm. Doom, as dark and mean as it is, is not actually out of sync with- Raiders. Raiders is pretty dark and pretty well, and, espe- yep. and especially if you remember that it's a prequel, right? Yeah, it's actually set prior to Raiders, mm-hmm. and so it's actually a younger, more nasty, less mature, more machismo, less like at the end of Raiders, he's going to settle down, da- or at the end of Crystal. No, sorry, at the end of yeah, the end of Raiders, he's going to yeah. settle down with Marion, right? Right. So he's like evolved and mature. This is. Just the womanizing jerk who came before that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also just, I mean, I know, again, we're not talking about it. I love the idea of switching genres so much. And I'm, I like the fact that the first movie would be a globetrotting adventure. And then the second one would be a dungeon escape movie. Mm-hmm. And then in George Lucas's mind, the third movie was going to be a haunted castle movie. But they were like, eh, we better go back to globetrotting adventure and we'll do Nazis and we'll add dad. Well, we made it a holy grail. Yeah, quest. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't feel out of. There is something about Last Crusade that is just a retread of Raiders. Where yeah, and if if Last Crusade had done a genre switch, then maybe everybody would have believed in the concept of Crystal Skull enough Crystal that we would have gotten a, a really sci-fi. Yeah, we yeah. could have gotten a really cool Crystal Skull that way, but nobody believed in it, and that third movie redefined. Yeah, once Lucas's you've done Last Crusade, then it's like, okay, every Indiana Jones movie, he's going to travel all over the place. Having and we have a weird scene. anomaly yeah. in the middle called Temple of Doom mm-hmm. that Interesting. doesn't quite fit. Right. right. 
But George Lucas is a, I don't know if he's actually autistic, but he is the archetype that is the autistic genius. Like he doesn't have the ability to put his ideas over all the time, but man, he's so smart. Like, yeah, he really is. And, and he's the only one that ever cared about that franchise. Really. I think like he, he obviously to this day would still be excited to tell a new kind of Indiana Jones story and find something he was. And everybody's going to treat him like he's insane and his ideas are stupid, crazy old George. But the reality is all of his ideas are fun. All of the type, everything he cares about is worth caring about. All of the types matter and continue to hold up and continue to provide all kinds of beautiful fodder for anybody who just sort of allows those things to live with them or to live with those things. And it's just, he's been thrown up in the attic. It's really sad. I mean, he, it's his it own. gets sadder for me the older I, I get and the more I live, maybe the more his stuff lives with me and the more I just sort of see, feel like he's been railroaded and he had more to give if people would just would have just believed in him and made his vision a reality. I mean, you know? he had it figured out. In the 80s, he's got Spielberg directing his movies and making them good, taking and, his and crazy ideas. And Yeah, and Kasdan and all the rest. And then... It's just those, if he had just not insisted on directing those prequels himself, if he'd just gotten someone talented to execute his craziness, then we could still have George Lucas. I mean, he, he is a Shakespearean anti-hero. He had a fatal flaw. His fatal flaw was hubris and it destroyed him. But he also had, like any good Shakespearean mm-hmm. hero, real genius and real greatness and it's just too bad because George could, he's such a great producer and such a bad director. Mm -hmm. And when you have somebody like Irving Kirshner doing Empire Strikes Back, a guy that likes human beings and likes working with actors, there's you just can't stop him. It's just, everything's magic. Just get somebody like that for the, anyway. Yeah. Too bad. It's just too bad. Hey, the flash can take us into another universe. So are we to our number three? Yep. Our number three. So once again, Oppenheimer, Mission Impossible, and Indiana Jones are my six, five, and four. Minor Oppenheimer, Indiana Jones, and Flash. Minor Mission Impossible, Oppenheimer, and Indiana Jones. And my number three is Spider-Man. Me too. And my number three is Mission Impossible. Okay, so we've all said Mission Impossible, I think. Did you say Mission Impossible? I did. I put that pretty low just because I don't, I think it's going to be fun. It is so hard for me to care about that franchise. Like, Oh, yeah, I don't care about the franchise, but you know what? I will go see that movie. I will enjoy it. I will have a lot of fun with it. And then everything. And then I will forget about it. Which is fine. And that, I think, probably in some ways is worth more than what I'll get from the rest of these movies. I would love, I would love, love, love for Indiana Jones and Flash to be more than that. I just don't trust that they will. Here's the thing that I do resent a little bit about Mission Impossible, even under the paradigm we just elucidated. I just wish that they would act like that's the movie they're making. Like, just make a 90-minute stunt spectacular. Instead of a two-hour movie where we're supposed to pretend to care about Ethan It's not going to be two hours. It's going to be two and a half or going on three. And it's going to have lots of boring stuff in between where we're supposed to care. And the genius of Top Gun is that it really was just fun and they didn't even bot like they're the villains they come from the country of villania and they're doing villain stuff it's like we gotta go kill those guys (laughs) yeah you're supposed to invest a little but mostly it's just like 
you like Top Gun, right? Here's more Top Gun. Yeah, yeah. And this so, is everything that you like about Top Gun. We're gonna give you lots and lots of it. And yeah, when you think we're done, we're gonna give you more. Oh yeah, and here's the old planes, and here's Maverick and Rooster, like Maverick and Goose, and Goose is just gonna say like twenty lines that were his dad's lines in the last movie. This is just Top Gun. Right. Isn't Top Gun cool? And, yes, it is. It's really cool. And the emotional stuff <laughs> is just kind of like not. It's painful. Yeah. In fact, it's just not. They don't. It's like, okay, whatever. He, Jennifer Conley, maybe he'll end up with her. Who cares? Like, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it or d- even dignify it that much. Right. Even the father son story with the little goose, whatever his name is, is there. But again, it's we're not we're, actually there. Isn't it? Yeah. They actually kind of sell it out the way the movie's structured. The fact that Maverick has to be the hero means that we actually don't get a passing the torch movie, but it doesn't matter because who cares? Because who cares? Yeah, they could have made it a passing the torch movie with an emotionally cathartic and killed off. Structurally, it is a passing the torch movie, but- But they just won't. It's it's Tom Cruise movie. It just ends with him keeping the torch. He's never giving up that torch. I could do better with this torch. Why don't I pass the torch? Which is just like- He's not a boomer per se, but he's it's pretty classic. It's very very point. boomer, very point. boomer. Nobody wants to pass the torch. They're just going to carry that torch to their graves and the, the torch will go out and then we'll be left with the darkness. Right. I mean, that's why I do have to appreciate Daniel Craig just being like, well, there's one way that this story of this existentially doomed human being would end and let's just go for it. Not your daddy's bond, but you're not your daddy. Right. Yep. So yeah, I am the thing that I'm really not looking for. I am looking forward to Tom Cruise driving that motorcycle. I'm looking yep. forward to him running. The thing I am not looking forward to is having to pretend to care about Ethan Hunt, or the movie telling you that you should care about Ethan Hunt while and you care about his care relationship about with Rebecca Ferguson. Whoever, Rebecca. And then watch Rebecca Ferguson have a sword fight and beat the bad guy. Like I'm just so tired of that. yeah. Well, and just the, no. the whole fallout like Tom Cruise for the good of not just America but the world, we need you to break up with your wife, your 45-year-old wife, and get together with this 30-something young lady. If you don't, the world will <laughs> It's just like... That's so gross. <laughs> That's so gross. So self-serving. It's so self-serving. <clears throat> and I will be doing a three-hour sidebar on Tom Cruise in that podcast. It won't really be three hours, but I want to talk about that guy, his trajectory, <laughs> Scientology. What a crazy sociopath i think if people have yeah we all have an idea we know who tom cruise is and we kind of do but if you don't actually know the details of who tom cruise is it's insane it's insane that guy's life and his association with scientology he's a scary guy he is a i think of the line from silence of the lambs (laughs) where the doctor's hannibal lecter is behind bars and he says pure sociopath it's so rare to catch one alive or something like that. Tom Cruise is a pure sociopath who moves through the public devouring things like a shark. And we all just, he's our- Enjoy it. We all just enjoy it. This is like, this is amazing video clip I saw the other day, or I don't even know how long ago it was, but it was just somebody tries to play a, a prank on Tom Cruise. Yes, so that's some that. journalist tries to play a prank on him and he like, he grabs him and he looks him in the eye. Why would you do that? I'm here to answer your questions. That was really mean. You're a jerk. And you should know that. In a way that would, like the dude like looks like he's gonna, I think he starts crying or something. Like he just like brings this guy so 
low, so quick with such authority and such like intensity. Yeah, and I'm actually on Tom Cruise's side in that video. Yeah, the, I think the, the I prank think he is was stupid. I and, think he was right, but this it tells something about who Tom Cruise really is in real life, and he does it with this like smile, like this, like this. I don't know, man. No, he's scary, and his yeah. Well, the, actually, you can look at it and say, well, there's something actually really beautiful about how he handled that situation because he was firm. He didn't give any ground. He was not going to allow himself to be disrespected that way. And he was going to put this person in his place with a smile on his face. But when you take that in context as of a piece with everything else about Tom Cruise, it's like, who is this guy? Yeah. And man, the answer is scary. Well, yes. So preview for that. I want to talk about Tom Cruise. I want to talk about David Miscavige, the head of Scientology, who is shorter than Tom Cruise skinnier than tom cruise and more intense than tom cruise and who was best man at his wedding to katie holmes and yeah like this just the story of tom cruise is is crazy the stuff that scientology has done for him up to and including providing a woman for him at a certain yeah, point Yeah, i remember reading about that too. it's crazy and the his princely dismissal of her when he was done with her like and the things that were required of her it's like this guy I'll stop going on about it, but I can't wait to talk about that because. Okay, I'm going to have to watch Going Clear. Yeah, I recommend. I, going Clear is wonderful. I've uh, wanted to watch it, but I've just huh. never gotten around to it. It's, I hate these things called documentaries, you might know. Well, this one, you can't really feel bad about them going yeah. after Scientology, of all things. Right. And I don't think that you feel like they're twisting the testimonials of people who have left the church so anyway yeah if you guys want to if you dear listener want to watch the documentary going clear i hate true crime i hate cult documentaries i think they're so exploitative generally speaking but scientology deserves every bit of scorn we can heap on it it's really stupid and really wicked it's evil and the this documentary which just gathers a lot of high profile names people like paul haggis who directed crash people that have left the church of scientology and the stories they tell are <sighs> hair raising and right. some of the most interesting material <clears throat> is uh, about john travolta <clears throat> and tom cruise cool so we will be talking about all of that on our mission impossible episode and you'll be like what did you think about the movie and we'll be like you wait wait an hour and you'll we still won't tell you Maybe we'll tell you at the top. I don't know. Anyway, what is you guys' number? Well, you, you guys already heard our discussion about what we think about the movie. It was fun. It was totally fun. Should have been 90 and, minutes. And should have been 90 minutes. It was empty. They tried to make us care about Ethan Hunt. We resented every second of it, but it was a fun time at the movies. And, and you had to watch more pretty girls kick butt and then in a, they're trying to make it ever more convincing. Yeah, it looks like they're just bringing back the, you got to watch pretty girls just be pretty girls too, which is something that Kind of, there'll be a little bit of discussion about where the movie falls along those lines. Yes. And then we'll say, we'll never have to watch this movie or think about it again. And if we do, we'll like it less. Right. And that's it. That's what will happen. That's the whole discussion. But tune in for it anyway. Yeah. Believe me, you want to hear the story of Tom Cruise. It's a, Yeah, it's that's a, the reason to tune in. It's a great story. Cool. So then what number are we on? Did two. we all say our number two? Okay, my number two is Flash. Mine also. Mine's Guardians. <clears throat> We've all said Flash now. Okay, and Jake put Flash pretty low, and he already Flash explained why. Five, yeah. He's like just not there for it. Yep. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons I'm excited about it is because I think 
James Gunn is a wicked man, and we're going to get into James Gunn when we you do our Guardians lockdown. episode. Yes, but he's seen it, and he says... It's one I, of the greatest superhero movies of all time. And I know that's total PR. I know he's the head of DC. He wants this to... But James Gunn feels like the kind of guy, he'd find a polite way to say, eh, it's great, if he needed to. Him actually saying, no, even if it's a relic from my predecessors, it's the bomb diggity. Gets me pretty excited. I do have a lot of nostalgia for Michael Keaton, Batman. I am excited about that. Watching the trailer today, I was like, eh, okay, multiverse stories suck, and Ezra Miller falling in love with himself sucks, and feminist Supergirl sucks, so it might suck. I'm feeling like maybe I ranked it a little bit high, but I'm more- They really did objectively play with the idea that Ezra Miller is in a gay relationship with himself. And he says, we want pictures for our daughters, <laughs> for our kids, for our kids or something. Yeah. I, it, it, there's a way to take that. That's just like uh, uh, multiverse two characters <clears throat> with each other, but that's not how they played it. Uh, yes. I don't feel that way. I like, I have, liked, are Barry. I have liked Ezra <laughs> Miller in the, I know people were in and out on him, but I, I really liked him in the, things that he's been in so far in the harry potter verse <laughs> no the ju- no i don't like him in harry potter but those movies are just poorly conceived and written and everything no i like him in justice league i, I thought his flash was a good character i actually liked yeah. the more comedic whedon version of him just fine i thought he was pretty funny in the whedon version and i thought he was great in the snyder version so i think ezra miller as a performer as a talent has it in him to give us a really good flash movie i don't know i hope it's what we want from Spider-Verse. I hope it has loads of heart and a really twisty, fun story that kind of doubles back on itself in a fun way. I hope it has a good use of Michael Keaton. And Yep, I feel the same. Maybe it won't. It'll have a good use of Michael <laughs> Keaton. Michael Keaton's Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton makes good uses of Michael Keaton these yeah, days. Yeah, it's hard to mess with Michael Keaton. But I hope it, like, I don't know. I hope he, I hope we just get to see him walk through the the Burton verse for a minute. And if we can just live with Michael Keaton and not just use him as a fun plot point. Yeah. I think, I think the guy might, that'd be really fun. I think it's possible. Any machete, of course, Christian Bale cameo is going to be awesome. Christian Bale cameo would be awesome. If there is one, it will be, there will be. And there'll also be, don't you think Christian himself just might be a little above that sort of thing. Even if they showed up with a dump truck full of money, maybe if they pay the estate of, Heath Ledger. <laughs> well, I, I did think about that, but that's not where I was going. Adam West. Adam West for <laughs> CGI de-aged Adam West. That would be mm, pretty that, fun. That'd be pretty fun. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I mean, there was that fake trailer where the guy took all the Batman footage and put Adam West in it, and it was incredible. Andy Muschietti is a visualist. That's clear. Yeah, he's, so, he's a good, he's a fine he's a stylist. director. That's fun. He's not going to necessarily save things. No. In terms of, if you handed him a bad script, he wouldn't necessarily reject it, but... He's a good director, so I'm feeling like maybe I put it a little high. I think I put it so high because it feels to me like a safe bet. Like Spider-Man will probably be wonderful, but maybe it'll be terrible. Indiana Jones, obviously not a safe bet. And then Mission Impossible and Oppenheimer, I'm both like, even the best versions of those movies aren't that exciting. And that's why I put Mission Impossible at three. It's just safe. Yeah. I'm hoping Flash is really good. Really good. All right. Number one. I said Guardian. Me too. And I said Spider-Verse. Okay, Jake's, that's a good bet. That's a good bet. You're betting on a good horse. But I am genuinely excited for Guardians. I am too. I put it at number two. 
I think it's going to be the MCU's swan song and it will be, I mean, unless they conceive of a way to make Tom Holland's next Spider-Man trilogy interesting and cool, I don't see myself ever coming back to the MCU. And so, I mean, there, I think we're on the hook for as many Spider-Man things as they want to do. Like, yeah, I mean, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Okay, fine. But we'll resent that though. Yeah. But that's not saying anything about the MCU. That's saying something about Spider-Man. No, I'm done. I I don't want any Dr. Strange's. I don't want, but this is closing the final loop on our investment in the MCU through in game. Right. And well, so, I think the trailer does a really effective job of making a promise that it'll be a tearjerker, and yeah, that's and what I'm excited gonna. about. I mean, I want yes. uh, James Gunn is smart and self-hating enough to understand that these characters don't all get a happy ending. Their happy ending is going out in a blaze of glory together. Together, maybe some of our favorites will get to go off into the sunset, but not everybody's going off into the sunset. And that in in such a sterile environment as the MCU, where Nothing ever has any weight or consequence and nobody's going to die until their contract is thoroughly exhausted. And if someone is going to die, you know, going in that, well, of course, this is the one where Robert Downey Jr. finally dies. This movie's genuinely exciting. It'll be interesting to see if they all die or if he lets Drax off the hook or, or lets Mantis off the hook or if some of them die or like we know broadly what this movie promises to do, which is to send them out in a blaze of glory in a very sad way, but we don't know how it's going to do it. And it just, it looks visually stunning and it looks great. The only thing that concerns me is that I don't, and this could just be the trailer not playing all of its cards. Uh, The villain maybe is not very exciting so far. I I like the villain. Personally, I was like, yeah, I'm just someone who's cruel and wants to manipulate things, but in a way that I don't know what the specific flavor is. It's different from what we've seen before, but there's something. Gun has an angle on him. But it feels like he's going to be the, I don't like losers and outcasts, like the anti-Gun's whole philosophy. Like these guys are all sort of abused by their parents. The key line from the trailer is... He wasn't trying to make anything perfect. He just hated everything the way it was or whatever, uh-huh. whatever that right. line is, right? right? That's right. He so, didn't want to make anything better. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. He just hated everything the way it was. Yep. If they're all sort of post-trauma, abused, broken people, then he's the kind of guy who has no use for those kinds of people and has no use for the strength they found in each other and all that sort of thing. So it sounds like an effective villain for a Guardians movie. I mean, I know there's going to be scenes that make me feel queasy, with the violence and with the sort of othering of. Yep. Yeah. And there's also going to be any level of crass humor. There's some visually crass humor, even in the trailer that he likes to play with the idea of everything's an anus. Yes, he does. He, yeah. I'm excited by the fact that maybe Gamora and Peter won't end up together, that we might want to do something more interesting there that, I don't know. It just it's it of all he's not going to do anything gratuitous with any of these characters or their stories. Not that there's a wrong way to understand what I just said, but he's not going to do anything because it's the thing that he's expected to do. Right. He's not going to fan service you. He will make it satisfying on his own terms. 
Yeah, I mean, Oppenheimer, Nolan's doing that because he has an idea about the characters. Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise is doing that because he wants to be in business. Indiana Jones, they're doing that because they want to be in business. Flash, you could even say that about. I think the two movies where it's just like, you know, the creators love these characters and love these property would be Spider-Man and Guardians. Guardians. And that's Mm -hmm. why they're my one and two. Yeah. And I believe that the directors love the property. I believe that the directors love the story that they're telling. I believe that they care. I believe that they're invested. I believe that they're committed to their artistry and their craft. And I believe that they're masters at their artistry and their craft. And all of that's going to come to bear one way or another. And so love it or hate it, you're going to get two really great movies. And you may hate the movies, Mm -hmm. but they will be, you won't be able to argue that they're bad stories, bad characters, bad craft, bad anything. I just don't believe that Lord and Miller or Gunn are going to miss. Yeah, they're swinging for the fences and they are doing it out of genuine love and passion, which is not something you could say almost about. It's rare. It's just super rare. And so that makes them worth seeing and worth caring about. Like, it's just, yeah. It's just, well, any other thoughts about these movies or the summer movie season or? Mm, not really. Anything else you guys are excited for coming out in 2023? Yeah. I'm excited to see. Um, I'm not even excited. But I'll watch the Creed movie when it comes out on streaming. Yeah, I'm sure it's good. I feel like I've already seen it. What's what it, it going to do that the trailer doesn't already nothing. do? Mm-hmm. What's it going to do that? Five Rocky movies and two Creed <laughs> movies haven't already done. Nothing, <laughs> but that's okay. Those are fun movies. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Just saying. So I'm just scrolling through some titles here. Get some quick takes. We excited for Ghosted with Chris Evans and Ana de Armas. Uh, mm-hmm. This is probably the worst movie of the year without having seen it. I saw the trailer for it and I hated it so much. Looks very, ma- very emasculating by a very hateful man. Little Mermaid. No. Waste of life. Even with what's-his-face, it's going to be like three hours long. Oh, man. The only thing that got me a little excited is uh, what's-his-face. Lin-Manuel Lin Miranda, Manuel and he's going to have two or three new songs or something like that, and probably he won't miss with those songs, but that doesn't mean the movie's going to be good. Can we just make The Mermaids black? This is something that's been bugging me about the recent crop of diverse fantasy films. I don't actually mind diversity in my fantasy films, but I want it to reflect the way the world works where different races are different races. So like with the Lord of the Rings thing, the Amazon series, you'll go to Rivendell or whatever, and you'll see a black elf and a white. It's like, I don't care if you make them all black or all Asian or something like that, whatever. But it takes me out of the story when there doesn't seem to be any sense for how a population occurs yeah or any sense of identity for a group of people like that drives me nuts let me see how about transformers rise of the beasts looks terrible looks cheap looks stupid looks looks quite cheap elemental ben i believe you're excited for this one this is the pixar movie with peter son the director of the good dinosaur i do like the good dinosaur i do think it looks like a visually really pretty great movie maybe not in any other way Asteroid City, that looks like a Wes Anderson movie directed Uh, by Wes Anderson. Please no. Yeah. Guy Ritchie's The Covenant comes out this Friday. I actually am excited. I like Guy Ritchie. I think it looks like a decent movie. Maybe it will be quite good. I like Jake Gyllenhaal. 
I like Guy Ritchie. I like Jake Gyllenhaal. I hate Desert Storm kind of. The trailer looks so lame and boring. Yeah, the trailer just looks lame. I was surprised that it was a Guy Ritchie movie. If I didn't know it was Guy Ritchie and I didn't know it was Jake Gyllenhaal, I would be pretty out on the movie based on that trailer. But I hope the movie is better than the trailer. I suspect it will be. I'm waiting for Ben to report. I will report if I can get to see it. All right. I think it's your duty to humanity to see it and report. Apparently, we've got Haunted Mansion with Rosario Dawson. That's interesting. Oh, man. Uh, trying to reboot that one after the failed Eddie Murphy. So <laughs> stupid. And yeah, Rosario Dawson, such a zero of an act. We got Fast X. None of us care about that no. franchise. Blue Beetle looks lame as heck. I, will, I won't be surprised if Blue Beetle gets... It's a dark horse. Is a dark horse, mm-hmm. gets good reviews, and maybe even good enough to compel us to go to the theater in the same way that Guardians was a... The original Guardians was a surprise. I have my doubts, but I'd be happy if that happened. We've got Equalizer 3 for all the dads of the world. Antoine Fuqua and Denzel Washington keep pumping out these things that make a little money in theaters and then go to Redbox. I don't know if Redbox still exists, but Redbox, it it needs to exist for Equalizer 3 (laughs) because that is a Redbox movie, if ever there was one. Craven the Hunter, I guess, is coming out in October. (sighs) I don't care. Saw X, Exorcist remake dune part two coming out this year i'm excited to see that movie and make all our fans happy with our take it's one of my most eagerly anticipated podcasts to do along with the tom cruise mission impossible one what about the marvels you got guys got marvels hot takes that's coming out gonna be horrible those marvels the, the yeah what about hunger games ballad of songbirds and snakes Telling the story of uh, President Snow becoming President Coriolanus Snow. Snow. I'm not really interested. Don't care. Could if care. Donald Sutherland were in it. If Donald Sutherland were in it, or if a DH Donald Sutherland, were, if Kiefer Sutherland were Don, Donald Sutherland. Maybe. I don't like Kiefer Sutherland, though. Yeah, I only I like either. Donald. But Donald, yeah. Donald Sutherland is so much fun in those Hunger Games movies that he just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Napoleon, directed by Ridley Scott with Joaquin no. Phoenix. I bet that'll be a swing and a miss because Ridley Scott hasn't done anything good for years. Wonka, directed by Paul King of Paddington fame. Yes. I hate everything about it being a Wonka movie, but Me too. Paul King hope. gets a pass. He did Paddington one and two, so he, did, he yeah. definitely gets a pass. He Masterpiece one and two. And finally, it looks like we've got Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom sure. coming sure. up. Fun, forgettable, visual. No, I mean, that movie keeps getting axed and pushed back and recut and reshot. Does and, it? I haven't been yeah. following. Well, Amber Heard had her drama. It's like, yeah, it, they just can't it, catch a break. I think, I think it's toast, huh? They're just going to try to recoup. They'll release some piece of junk to try to recover some of their investment. And that's about all there is to uh, it. It's too bad. Rebel Moon, the Zack Snyder sure. thing. I'm, I'm here maybe oh, yeah. for it. No, I'm I'm totally here for it. I mean, Justice it, League it, bought it, him a lot of goodwill with me. Yeah, we'll yeah. see the trailer and we might just be out on it. Sure, I mean, I could see it. that's it's fine. Like, uh, but until he gives me a reason to be out on it, I'm going to be here for it. I am a, a Zack Snyder supporter. Yes, yeah, I am too. But also none of us saw Army of the Dead on Netflix. We're not. No. And I don't want to go I'm a see- Zack Snyder supporter who's never even seen 300, for goodness sake. Well, I just, likewise. I support the idea of Zack Snyder. Yeah, I, I hate everything he's done except that he did something I thought was pretty awesome. Right. With the right material and his kind of lame Ayn Randian take on everything lines up, it's great. But boy, do you need the right material. 
He did Dawn of the Dead, written by James Gunn. I People like that movie a lot, right? They think it's smart. I liked it back in the day when I was into that kind of junk. I think it, it is I smart. Can't. It has a lot of James Gunn's sense of humor. It is also, I was just reminded of this in doing the James Gunn research for our upcoming Guardians episode. Zombies, of course, the most othering of genres. Oh, now my neighbor is a monster that I need to shoot in the head. Even given that, between Zach and James, they really push it like into a queasy, like, I don't like Jake that much. Wouldn't it be nice if Jake became a zombie and then I could just shoot him in the head? There's a lot of that sort of thing. I mean, it's it, that's not the kind of movie I can actually take. I've seen a few scenes and I just, I can't, I can't handle it. It's got some great scenes. I mean, it's got like the initial, she's just going about her day and then her husband is a zombie and then she runs outside and she sees planes falling out of the air. Mm-hmm. And it's got a nice, like a kind of right. a on the ground scene. apocalyptic kind of feeling to it. I don't recommend the movie, obviously, but Snyder and Gunn, they mm. are talented fellas. All right. Well, there's our... That reminds me of a horrible prank I saw and made me sick to my stomach. I guess I have to tell you the prank yeah. now. Yep. As a son and a daughter recorded a a news brief, an audio news brief about a deadly virus and everybody's those everybody's on lockdown and some plays it like over Bluetooth in the car with their mom who's old. Like and these are adult children. Right. The daughter comes suddenly running into the car and she's got like blood and and then she's like freaking out and then she like starts going into like a seizure type thing and acting like a she's been zombified and it like wakes the crap out of mom and is really mean. This is really mean. I've ranted about it on podcasts before. That's Pranks, awful. the lowest of human behavior. You don't get lower than pranks especially when they're done by compassionless jerks that are hateful about it so yeah there you go all right well that's our summer movie preview so yeah patreon.com forward slash sanity the movies is where you can preview content by us and then sign up to pay for it particularly by being on our discord channel which is a lot of fun Maybe mm-hmm. you're on our Discord channel right now and there's you're like, what? They're not going to talk about Fast X. I can't survive without their take on that. Well, you could have some influence, but not for free, buddy. You can listen to the podcast for free. But if you want to like make us watch Fast X, you got to pay through the nose for that, which you can do at patreon.com forward slash sanity at the movies. Until next time. Yeah, I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs>